So just to be clear, now I was born January 1st, 1977 in St. David's Hospital on 38th Street in Austin, right? So I have, I have the credentials okay. as a native-born Texan, right? And now, evidently, a lot of people now have your birthday. That's, that's fine. That's fine. I, right. I, I talk about that all the time because it is very significant, right? Okay. Like it's, yep. it's, it's a thing. Now, so admittedly, I am a first-generation Texan, but whatever, Right. Like, you know, all of the most all of the people who fought at the Alamo were also first generation Texans, not even born there. Like the big knife guy, I think even Captain Travis, like they came from somewhere else. So like the heroes of Texas didn't matter. They were there as 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 they say, you know, welcome, go home. And also, it doesn't matter where you came from. Right. right like so right. we've got a very conflicted thing. So I want to I want to pass out those bona fides, as it were, to say okay. in a Texan way. Got it now. That said, also two other things. So, you know, I was born there. Clearly, I'm a Texan. You can look at my Twitter profile. To oh, like see. good wind up. I can't wait to hear what we're Okay, yeah. Okay, fully. See, yep. see my statement yep. on that, right? I can like, credentialize your, your true Texans. That's yep. right. Now, there's two things I have to further disclaim. I'm not a Trump supporter, like I'm sure many Texans are. Okay. Right. right. Also, yeah. I do not like football. Don't okay. know anything about right. it. Right. This so this, going, is, this is going. This is going sideways on me now. We're losing. All this right. Year. All Go right. So, uh-huh. so those are the, like at least the second core Texan thing. I don't know what happened. I don't care. Right. Yeah. I know. I know you can flood the zone. That's it. I'm. I'm out. And okay. Tom Landry. I know that. And okay. uh, so, however, and I do not mean this in a uh, a, a path to negativeness. Right. I genuinely like the following thing I'm about to ask about, but we were listening to some stuff on Alexa and every time I hear it, I always think like, I, I cannot pull together the rational explanation in my head why Willie Nelson is a good singer. Like I like Willie Nelson. I enjoy listening to him every single time. I like the way he sings. His lyrics are great, but like, I feel like if objectively I listen to his singing it would just be really weird, right? Like it's it's sort of like out of the ordinary, like it's very not normal country. I, I don't know, like I can't place it. And so like, this is what this is what I wanted to ask you, Brandon. I mean, you've been here long, well, not here, but you've been there long enough, right? I feel like you've encountered this, uh, you know, it might've come up and, and like, it just, there is something like so unique about Willie Nelson that it defies, I, I, I could not explain to you why he is good. And, and, wow. and like, wow, this may be, this, I'd say this is a controversial take. This may be, <laughs> we may get more feedback about this than we've ever gotten on any subject. This, this is what I was, I was thinking. <laughs> I, I was thinking about this and this is why I need to make these disclaimers is I am not saying that it should not be good. Right. It is. Well, it is I mean, that- you're not against, are you, where do you stand in country music? Maybe that's a starting point too. Do you need to disclaim, are you for or against like a mild fan, not a fan? You know, like, well, I, you-, I, you know, I don't know what the cutoff date is, but I definitely like, you know, uh, uh, I definitely like the outlaw country music. You got the Willie Nelson, the Waylon Jennings. Right. And I'm pretty sure I like every country music in the past from that point. Right. Okay. Like, I couldn't tell you that like in okay, 19- so you like country music then I think we're going right, to right, go right. ahead and say that that makes sense. Okay. I, I, could, I couldn't say that like, you know, after 1986, I don't like country music. Right. Right. Like I, I could go for some Garth Brooks. Now there's a period and I don't, this is the part well, that you're, like, you're is, kind of like dancing around like pop country. 
Like you probably yeah, yeah, yeah. not a like, fan of, of, kind exactly. of that, right? Exactly. Mm-hmm. Like, like I like the old 97s, right? But I yeah. don't like country music. That's just like, also, I'm a huge fan of hip hop. I also don't like hip hop. That's just like, I went to the club and got drunk and fucked a bunch of bitches. Like, I'm not into that. Like, I don't right. really like that kind of music. And I don't like the equivalent in country music of that. Right. right. Like, I, I enjoy like a story or something that's, you know, like something a little bit different. Right. And so, right. but yeah, I mean, in general, I like country music and folk music, all that mm-hmm. kind of stuff. Okay. Well, when, now, when you're talking about uh, Willie Nelson, like, have you listened? I, I think you're predominantly speaking of maybe his most recent recordings. Have you listened to some of his like younger recordings? Like when he, yeah, yeah, for sure. In his, like, okay. So you're saying that doesn't I've listened that, to all of it. Okay. That yeah, yeah. it's not because I think his voice, I mean, I don't think this is controversial. I think his voice in like, I, again, not controversial. Take, I think Willie Nelson like has lived hard. It looks like he's had a great time, but he's yes, lived yes. hard. Right. I don't yeah, think yeah, anyone yeah. would, would it's, so it's, I was thinking, like, I think voice, to put it another way, it's amazing that he's still alive. I don't <laughs> yeah. know how that is possible. Right, Bob Dylan falls in this category. Like you can listen yeah, to Bob Dylan yeah. albums at different times, and it sounds significantly different, like his mm-hmm. voice. So, mm-hmm. but you're you're saying still that's not a. Uh, all right, well, yeah. what about this then? Yeah. Uh, I, I, well, I mean, I I think I just like by default, I, it's more like Willie Nelson's more kind of like just a, a persona that we all just like know yeah. of. I don't okay, necessarily, yeah. I don't think about it as much of like his music i think it's more like you know it's the classic like lifestyle it's just sort of like willie nelson's on people are in a good mood he's like it's a really chill almost, vibe. almost like a, almost like so, okay okay jimmy buffett has this yeah so i mean jimmy buffett diff, is, different is, genre but similar yeah, yeah, yeah. similar kind of thing like jimmy buffett i don't think is a great singer but it does like when you're at a beach and you hear some jimmy buffett it feels natural yeah, it feels yeah, very yeah. relaxed that's right and 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 to, you know also also to protect myself from people saying that I'm wrong. Like, I mean, I'm exaggerating whenever, as, as people know, whenever I say all the time or everything, I mean, like, you know, 60 to 90% of the time, but like, I think about Willie Nelson all the time. Like he's always with me as that song goes, right? Like I'm Mm -hmm. always, he's kind of always in my head. And like, I mean, I'm, I know I'm restating it, but I'm just like, I could not explain to you why Right. Like it, it is confounding to me. Like if I was the product marketing for Willie Nelson, I would just be like, I'm out. I'm going to go work for Redis. <laughs> like, like I can't work with this. Really, but like, You don't hear like always on my mind. Like you don't just hear that on, 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 I guess not radio anymore on streaming. And like, does it not bring a certain, like just calmness? Like it does. Today. It does. It's just it does. Sort of like a like a lullaby almost for adults. You're just like I feel relaxed. Uh, like like if before a meeting, like an, a QBR, someone's like, "Hold on, I want to play Always on My Mind" by Willie Nelson. And instead of like reading the memo, we just listen to that for three minutes. I'll be yeah, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. It would chill. Like I'd I'd get into like a really chill vibe. Oh, especially we, doesn't he have a duet with that Iglesias guy? Um, and amazing. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. No, no, exactly. But it's 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 uh. But but like when I'm listening to him, I'm always like, this is so weird. The way he sings is so strange, right? Like he's got this like high nasally voice uh-huh. and and like like in, in uh, Always On My Mind, like he, the way he, I don't know how to describe it. Is it vibrato? Like the way you like vibrate through a bunch of like uh, like sounds is really weird. Like, I don't know. Maybe it's one of these things where like I have listened to Willie Nelson too long and heard too many of his songs that I can't just sit there and like let it happen or something, but it's, it's uh, I don't know. It's always confounding. I, I just don't get it. This episode is brought to you by strong DM. 
Are you managing a gazillion SSH database passwords and Kubernetes certs? How do you manage an audit at that scale? Meet StrongDM, the only way to simplify infrastructure access and audit controls across any environment, no matter how diverse. StrongDM extends any SSO to centrally manage access to databases, servers, and Kubernetes clusters, so onboarding and offboarding can be done in a single click. Escalate privileges with just-in-time access and automatically log every query and command. Trusted by companies like Hearst, Peloton, and SoFi, StrongDM is the only way to manage access and audit controls at scale without disrupting your workflows. Start your 14-day free trial at strongdm.com slash SDT. There's no credit card required. That's strongdm.com slash SDT. And of course, we thank StrongDM for sponsoring our show. All right. Well, the, uh, you know, we like to talk about hype cycles. They're, uh, they're good stuff. And I need some help, Brandon, with the hype cycle for emerging technologies, comma, 2021, uh, Gartner copyright, 2021 Gartner Incorpor- incorporated and or its affiliates, all rights reserved Gartner and hype cycles are registered <laughs> trademarks of Gartner incorporated and its affiliates in oh. the U S one, four, four, eight, zero, zero, zero. I now like how funny. they, that is citing your sources right there. I, I like how they were like, you know, in case they missed the affiliate part, let's put that back in. But lawyers. So I'm I'm looking at the hype cycle for emerging technologies. And there are, you know, the hype cycle is based on um I forget what it's called, what like the 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 academic people who came up with it, but you've got it's basically uh what kind of curve is that, Brandon? That is a um uh, it's kind of like an exponential uh, yeah. curve up that followed by a, a, a steep decline, then a, a nice linear, uh, I guess, graph sh- going out yeah. over time. Yeah, right? it's it's kind of like a shitty S curve is, is, is what it is. <laughs> yeah, and I think we should just say maybe it is like the background is just simple. And I'll, I'll put it as a, a show art so you can just look at it right now if you listen to the podcast and to say, I mean, I think the point is just like things get invented right? There's some type of innovation and yeah. there's a ton of hype over a short period of time. And then everyone gets uh, um, disillusioned by uh, the whole thing. And then that they fall way, way down. And that's the big part. That's the S curve you're talking, right? That's the S. That's right. That's right. The trough and then, of disillusionment. Uh, and then eventually we're all like, oh, we know what this thing does and we just accept it. And we're just, it's just part of life. So right, right. I, I, I think, I think so, so to review for, for the people who are new here. I've been thinking a lot. I have a panel coming up at Spring One Platform next week, September 1st and 2nd, I think. And it's all about like, so in your industry on the panel, what are some awesome things that software can do for your business? And the example that I'm thinking of using is the first startup I worked at, online banking. You know this, Brandon, even though you didn't work there, unfortunately, uh, over at Funds Express. And we generally made one of the first online banking systems that banks would use. And that was like a huge big deal. And nowadays, online banking is way into the plateau of productivity. No one, no one even thinks about it. They just use it. it it's, no one's ever like, this is amazing. I don't have to write a check. Like it just is, right? So that's what you have on one end of the, one, one end of the hype cycle. And so with this one, there is nothing beyond the first two phases, right? And I guess that's by nature of it being an emerging technology. That's my first question of this is like, I guess if you're doing an emerging technology, there is nothing that is going to be past the trough of disillusionment. (laughs) 
Well, I think because they limited it to 2021, right? That that is why. So they basically have said, this is, we're only going to show you emerging technologies for 2021. Now, if they were to go back, let's say five years and do. Now that would be interesting. 2016 and say, okay, here, let me plot all. uh, One, it would be kind of hard to read, but like if they plotted every, all the emerging technologies from 20, let's just call it say 2016, you'd see a lot of stuff. The plateau, I see. Okay. Okay. So uh, this validates what, what my thinking was, which is, I mean, as listeners know, I am not a fan of logarithmic scales. I think they're total bullshit. <laughs> I do not like them. And okay. this is an example of why it's not literally a logarithmic scale, but you have this entire like uh, graph that you're going to be going through. And about half of the graph is taken up with stuff that's totally fucking irrelevant. Right. Right. And so like instead, what you would want to see on a chart like this, which, you know, podcasts being uh, audio is just bad. But in like everything is crammed on the left side of the chart. And more of what you want to see on a chart, I think, is how things are relative to each other. And everything you have in this chart is all crammed to, mm, let's say, like the left third of a chart. And you've got this gigantic empty space on the whole rest of the chart. That's my, that's my first note on this. I just want to throw that out there. Um, cause I don't like logs, bunch of BS. <laughs> so now, okay. So we got that. Now I think the other thing, uh, as I think you pointed out, Brandon, that we are missing uh, out on is, um, we need to have the, uh, is it the NFTs? So maybe we should work on that, Brandon. Now you're the CEO of this organization. Okay. And, uh, okay. I, I am, uh, I don't really know what I am, but I, I, you know, we're having lunch. Maybe we're in the hallway between meetings. Brandon, what are we doing about NFTs for software defined talk? <laughs> That's a good how can question, we, right? how can we cash in on this? Cause that is at the height. If we're right, going to well, do anything, you, it's going to be now. I actually had a thought yesterday, so we'll just mm-hmm. workshop it here and maybe someone will take the idea and do it. What I think makes the most sense here was I want to take this image and actually make an NFT of this image, right? Because that, need a I, think, I think this would be perfect, right? The hype cycle for merging technologies, and, and I, while there's a few dots that are close to it, I think we're going to declare non-fungible tokens, they're, they're the number one, meaning they're at the, yeah. the peak yeah. of inflated expectations. So I feel like the, to mark this moment, the only thing that can be done is to make an NFT of this graphic for historical reference oh. and then start selling it and let people be like, I want to own the moment because like, if you're really into crypto and NFTs, you can say like, yeah, I owned when people thought it was most overinflated, but I saw the value of NFTs and that's why I own this. So it's sort of this, like this meta like, and ironic, right? I, I hope the Gartner CMO listens to this podcast because that would be an amazing move for them. Right. I, I almost, I wouldn't guarantee, but I, I have to think that at least one Gardner analyst working on this was like, had your exact same suggestion. They were like, right. well, you know, it's sort of taking from the New York times because they yeah, did uh, an NFT of an article that they wrote about NFTs. And I was like, this is the next level. Right. Yeah. And then yeah. I got it me into, I was like, well, can I just do it? And then I was like, well, I don't, we don't own the copyright to this, but then it's like very like, you know, back to like why NFTs are maybe uh, inflated. It's like, well, like, you don't necessarily have to own the copyright, but it really seems like you should own the copyright of the thing that you're going to make an NFT, but it's not, you know, like this legal, the legal uh, ownership, if you will, is still up in the air. But I do think if I was at Gardner, day one, step one, I make an oh. NFT out of this. In fact, I was going to email him. I was like, I wonder if they'll let me make an NFT. And then I was like, can you imagine 
can you imagine the emails that would go on? You know, like, you know, if anyone responded, they'd be like, I would be in, they'd be deep in with like 50 lawyers and be like, what do you want to do? I was like, I want to make an NFT of this. I, I, and I, then it'd be crazy to try to explain it. So let's keep workshopping this, Brandon, because I think what we should pitch is, I mean, I've got two thoughts here. Let's go with the Gartner one. We should pitch that, hey, we'll do an ad for you. And what we're going to do is somehow raffle off an NFT for some Gartner thing. I don't know what it is. Maybe, you know, what would be appropriate is the IAS Magic Quadrant. You right. can buy the NFT. <laughs> I don't really know what I'm talking about, but you can be in the same way that you could buy like uh, the actual Bruegel painting of Netherlandish Proverbs, which I would, that's a fan, <laughs> go look that up. Fantastic painting. There's a lot going on there. In the same way that you could buy that as an original artwork from like, you know, 1562 or whenever it's from, you could buy the 2021 Gartner <laughs> IAS Magic Quadrant or whatever the fuck they call it nowadays, right? Yeah, you could be yeah. the owner of that, right? Okay, yeah. So I think we should do an experiment, Brandon. They'll just pay us some amount of money that you will negotiate, right? Sure, absolutely. Yeah. It'll be substantial to us, minor to them. Best, yes, you know, true. Right? And we will say what we will do is we will have an episode where we somehow someone wins that NFT, right? And yeah. let's just see what happens, right? It is at the top of the hype cycle, very important, right? Mm -hmm. And uh, what do you have to lose except a Why substantial yeah. amount of money to us that means nothing to you? Listen, right? let's just go the whole way. We're happy to do that. And also, if someone at Gardner will email and just say, give us permission, I'll be happy to make this an NFT. I don't know. We'll throw it out there because the way you do is you auction these things off. We'll put it out there to auction like yes. $1,500. Like we'll get it out there because I was trying to like I wanted to go through the process of making an NFT. I've never done it. And I was like, like, maybe I should do it. So I read how does, up how does that it. work? Well, this, I mean, I don't think we have enough time, nor do I have the right knowledge to explain it, but it's, it's <laughs> essentially like, you got to go, we got to get a, a Coinbase wallet and then we got to go uh -huh. register it. But it looked like, okay, we could do it. We could, def I could do it. Like if, yeah, if yeah. given, but I wanted to like put something out there that I thought would actually give, that would be interesting. Right. And I'm not an artist. I can't like hand draw any digital art that would be of, you know, I can do some PowerPoint for you if you want, but like, I don't have any, I don't have any like real skills on, on digital art, but I was like, this is good. But this, and I agree, because like, yeah. Visa did an NFT the other day. They bought one of the rocks, the rocks mm -hmm. that aren't rocks, you know, the, the the pictures of rocks that are NFTs. And so, and people were criticizing them, but then they got all this publicity. I was like, genius, genius. C congratulations to the Visa person, like, who, that figured that out. The, and I agree, like, if Gardner, 100%, they should make this an NFT. I mean, That's right. So if, if, if you're the Gardner CMO, call us, or call actually us. don't... Don't call us. Send an email. Yeah, just send an email. I, I grant uh, software to find talk the uh, the ability to create an NFT for this. Done. That's all we need. I'll, we don't have any legal. We don't. That's all I need. That's check, yeah. check and check. So also, we'll send you some stickers for free. Yeah. Oh, of course, of course, always. But I I do think, uh, and I wanted to ask you this was like, you know, all the crypto stuff. Like I I struggle because my you know I, I think I my nature I'm just sort of maybe look at it very cynically at the beginning. But then I've been thinking more about it. I'm like, like, do you think, are we missing it here? Like the NFT thing, it seems crazy, right? But then I'm like, I don't know. Like, am I being too cynical? I'm like, I'm missing out. Mm -hmm. Like, because there's this long post from, or uh, thread, Twitter thread from Chris Dixon, one of the, you know, uh, Andreessen Horowitz uh, partners. And he's been bullish on this stuff forever. And they probably made tens of billions of dollars 
in crypto at injuries and horrors, right? I mean, it's, I, it's, I don't even know how much, maybe that's even underselling it. And so, you know, his point is he to summarize his thread. It's like, you know, people always feel like they're missing it. Like they feel like, Oh, I missed out on mobile or I missed out on this. And it's like, his point is like crypto is happening right now. And this is like, this is the opportunity for everyone for NFTs and all this stuff. And he makes the case about why NFTs are important to these to this generation and how people have always collected things that are just valuable for status and like, you know, the whole thing. So he makes this long case and I'm, I don't know. I don't find it that compelling. I still kind of feel like, Hmm, I don't know. I feel pretty skeptical about this. feels like a, just a, a way to speculate, but then I'm like, I don't know. Is it just like, am I like in a mindset and an age that's wrong that I'm not open to the new thing here? Or am I, or is my skepticism uh, justified for some reason? Like, I don't know. Do you ever think about this? Have you, Given oh sure, thought? sure. I, I mean, I think I think uh, the problem with crypto is that they have no military. <laughs> like, I I think I think the basis, like you know, you can write however many things and however many. Uh, oh, where'd my camera go? Or write however however many things you want, but like until you actually like like the issue with money and is that. Uh, eventually you're going to need like a gun, right? Like enforcement, right? You have to have some yeah, way to enforce. Like, you need some, you need some, it, some right? enforcement of the, I mean, sovereignty is even a weird word, but it has to be like, there is a government behind this. There is a force stronger than you. Let me clarify that. There is a force stronger than someone you have a dispute with that will be on your side to enforce that they owe you money, right? And so like, I mean, that's the issue with crypto is like, sure, like people can trade these things, but the whole point of like, I mean, eventually you have to translate money into living into a thing. Right. And I mean, this also connects to like my whole thing with like valuations are weird, right? Like until you actually have cash or something that you can transact on in your hands, like it's not worth anything. So like, you know, like I could have all sorts of like money in uh, Bitcoins or what the fuck ever. And then like in the morning when I'm like, we have no eggs and I, you know, walk <laughs> yeah, two minutes down to the grocery store and I'm like, I am a crypto billionaire. And they're like, uh, I need some fucking euros. Right. Like it, it's irrelevant. Right. And so like the reason why, you know, I can buy money with euros is because there there's governments who back it like the like all these people with militaries like say that it's valuable like and so you can kind of like walk down the path and be like well what if all of a sudden like uh is it in Argentina I forget who like you know says bitcoins are cool that like you can use bitcoins to transact with but like it 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 just is weird right like mm -hmm. and like so it doesn't it, it's it's a it's a hard thing to invest in it, and then you could also be like, as kind of like this kind of commentary is that like, uh, it's early in this market. You should get into it, right? But we've all well, not all of us, but I know that you have. We've all watched um, uh, what's the old West HBO show with uh, you know, I like the color. Yeah, the, yeah, I know you're talking about. Um, I'll think of it in a second, but yeah, go on. Like we've watched that show, and like the problem is early investors in the frontier die. Right. Like yeah. it's not cool. Like you don't want to be out there as, as a cowboy early in this frontier where like 
value is being defined and monetary exchange and stuff. You want to kind of coast in at the end, right? And the people who succeed in the early frontier of stuff are just like, I mean, like we've seen that show. They're like, they're like either really, really uh, clever and wheeling and dealing, or they're like uh, the hair of the Pinkertons or something like that. <laughs> that's so right. like, I think the show you're referring to is Deadwood, right? Is that the one? That's right. That's to? right. Yeah, so, yeah. so it's, it's just like, uh, it's not safe. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right. Like, well, I th- and I think, you know, the part you're hitting on is the part I think a lot about too, is uh, utility, the underlying utilities, because if you, t- if you, Take away, let's not talk about crypto for a second. We just say there's a new company that's starting. It's a startup, right? Yeah. The way that you typically make money on something like that is you perceive the utility, the eventual utility of it to be, you know, much greater than the general group of people in the world think of it, right? But you can like, you look ahead, like I think Twitter would be something like maybe, you you know, you and I both share this It's like, like I saw Twitter for the first time. I'm like, oh, this is going to be really big. I see a lot of utility, but a lot of people that you know were around that we were just talking to which like it's stupid it doesn't make sense i remember i told somebody I was like oh it's gonna be worth a hundred million dollars at least and they were like you're nuts you're crazy and i was like oh i think so definitely and so of course now it's worth many billions of dollars and it's not like i was a genius it's just sort of like we all have these instances of where you could kind of see the utility that the broad group of people didn't see and that's kind of what i think about all of the nfts and cryptos yeah, yeah, it's yeah. like you know even if the the picture that people paint right is to your point about Hey, crypto is a digital currency. It's used everywhere, or it's a store of value, or you know, these things are going to be big. It's like I always just think it's weird that a currency would just appreciate because a currency is being used. You know what I'm saying? It's like it just feels like well, dollars are dollars, and that the reason I care about them is I can buy stuff. It's not like you know, it's just weird to me that I'm just hoping eventually this currency gets used a lot, and because there's a cap on the currency. That's what's going to make it more valuable. Not that the fact that there's like some underlying utility that's unlocked. Um, yeah, I don't yeah, know. Yeah. So I get stuck on that a lot. But then I'm like, I don't know. Maybe I'm missing it. You know, Chris Dixon. Maybe he's figured it out. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I mean, you, you, I mean, uh, uh, to your to to your reference there, right? Like, it costs you nothing to sign up for Twitter. Right. That's what that's what you learn over over the course of the Internet is like every time there's some mildly interesting new service, just sign up for it like it doesn't cost you anything like it's I mean, nowadays it kind of does cost you something because it's annoying and some time to deal with. But (laughs) versus like a whole new like monetary system like, you know, like so now I get paid in euros. Right. Since I'm a Netherlands employee and. Like, that's cool because euros are good, <laughs> right? Like, they're, they're, they're not, n- nothing bad is going to happen to them as far as I know. And uh, dollars are good too, right? The, the EU and, and the states are like good, solid situations and the currency is all good versus like the wild world of Bitcoin. I mean, it's, it's bad in two ways. One, it is not really supported by a I, I mean, I know there's the one place, so I don't want to insult them. So great for them. But it's not really supported by a gigantic, stable government, right? Uh, as as I think we would would, would agree on uh, what gigantic, stable government is. And two, the other issue is like there are so many different currencies and things in the Bitcoin world that like, which one are you going to choose, right? Like you can make all these different like weird choices and things that's complicated versus like, I don't know, man. Give me some euros. <laughs> yeah. 
Right. Well, I think like, the other part with the whole crypto and then I guess, you know, we should talk about Ethereum a little bit, right? The idea of this idea of, you know, essentially, you know, contracts managed just by software is that like it all, it, it does seem interesting at the same time. Like I feel like with all of this, you know, it's, there seems to be this very strong um, kind of overlay of like, it comes with like very strong political beliefs, right? Like you almost have to believe in a certain set of like political beliefs and you know around society to like really believe that this is needed right the fact that like yeah there's a real danger like just the perceived value of like allowing human beings to sort of be the arbitrary of a contract is wrong right it's bad it's better to have like a computer do it right because it doesn't it's no emotionless and like like implied in that is like a lot of like deep political and it's like i don't know and i always think like for a lot of the technologies that we talk about like there isn't any underlying you know it's like it doesn't come with any political beliefs it's just like Here's what it does. Like, do you believe it's going to be useful in the future? If not, but all of these other things come with like That's really true. a ton of like baggage. And you're like, like, you know, if you just say like, I like the idea of like blockchain, just decentralized, you know, decision-making like, but I don't, but like, I don't want to put on that any political system. Right. It seems yeah, very yeah, difficult yeah. to do that. And it's like another part that sort of makes me hesitant about it as well. That's, that's interesting. Like, like I don't, it's almost like you you want to evaluate some technologies based on how cynical their believers are, <laughs> right? Like, like, like how much they distrust the the existing things. That's 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 a uh, yeah. Well, that's, I guess part of it is like I'm like I've spent some time obviously in identity management and security, and it's like one of the things I've always learned is like, or and and this is again stating the obvious, but it's like it's really nice at times for to allow someone to reset your password, right? To be yes. like. I mean, like, and I, I just like, I'm very like, w- like working just in this world of security more and more, especially around user, you know, user identity. It's like, you know, human beings are so fallible. Like we forget passwords, we lose tokens, like we just make mistakes. Right. So the fact that, you know, the computer can be infallible and be like, yep, I can lock this away for a million years. If you forget one thing that is good, but it's like human beings are not good at that. Like that's, that's a lot of pressure on a person, right? To remember that. So yeah, that's again, yeah. back to like the fact that like it is immutable is both the strength and the weakness. It's like, no, if you lose millions of dollars in cryptocurrency, like really, like that's, you're not a bad person. Like you've just made a mistake. Like it would be good if there was a way that we could allow you to get it back, right? You, you, you know, not- to, 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 to that point, you know, as, as uh, maybe my last thought here, I think that, I will not sort of like believe in cryptocurrency until people stop referring to how much it's worth in dollars. Cause that is like the ultimate like tell is that like you have no idea how much this is worth unless you cash out. And the problem with the currency is like, you can't cash out of a currency. That's the whole point of a currency. A currency is like the end. Like there's no, you don't convert it to something else, <laughs> right? Like you only have the dollars or the euros. And so like at some point, hopefully, I mean, hopefully for the Bitcoin people, but there'll be some Bitcoin person who's like, I have no idea how much this is worth in dollars. It's irrelevant. Or however, however many euros this is worth, it's irrelevant, right? And when it gets to that point, then you might actually have a currency. But until then, it's just some shit that eventually you're going to turn into dollars. This show is brought to you by Clubhouse. Now, the name may be familiar, but today we're talking about Clubhouse, the project management service. And in a few weeks, Clubhouse will rename itself Shortcut. But until then, 
I want you to try clubhouse.io. Have you ever really been happy with your project management tool? Most are either too simple or too complex, but Clubhouse changes that. Clubhouse offers project management built specifically for software teams that's fast, intuitive, and flexible. Clubhouse includes team-based workflows, allowing teams to use default workflows or customize them to match the way they work. Clubhouse also has support for roadmaps. With roadmaps, you can quickly tie your company-wide goals to the specific work that your teams are doing. With integrations with GitHub, GitLab, and Bitbucket, users can quickly update their status in Clubhouse right from the command line. Clubhouse also has full support for iteration planning and tracking. Simply set up your iteration priorities and then Clubhouse will automatically create your burndown charts and other reports. Try Clubhouse by visiting clubhouse.io slash SDT. Again, that's clubhouse.io slash SDT. And remember, in the coming weeks, Clubhouse will be known as Shortcut. And of course, we thank them for sponsoring our show. Well, I didn't realize this until you pointed it out, but it's been uh, 10 years since the software is eating the world uh, thing, which I think uh, it, it was accurate. And I think, it, I think it's, a, it's a good time to kind of revisit that concept because I think we and the listeners, that is a core sort of, uh, I think, tailwind? Tailwind in, in our lives. I get the tailwind. Is there such a thing as a sidewind? Is that the, uh, the starboard or the leeward? You must know because you're from uh, I would Maryland, just say, right? I, I think for us, it's either headwind or tailwind. Headwind is like we're fighting yeah. it. Tailwind is we're getting a little bit of a push. That's what there's I no, There's no starboard? Or, um, uh, I don't know. It feels like there probably is, but I don't know the right nautical terms for that. So I don't want to come across as uh, uneducated in my nautical world. That's all right. Okay. I don't want to expose you. That's fine. Cause I, I don't know, but I'm from like a landlocked city as I established early on in this episode. <laughs> right. So I have no idea. Uh, so, uh, you know, I, I was, uh, there, there, there's one thing I want to start with. So you had a, you, uh, uh, I was reading through the, uh, the link you had in our show notes here and I read through it and read through it. And I, I totally thought this was like Mark, uh, Mark, uh, Andreessen, was writing like a follow-up piece to this. Like it's been 10, year, 10 years later. Here's what I think now. And then I got to the end and it was like originally published in the Wall Street Journal in August 20th, 2010. And I was like, holy shit, this is the original piece. Oh, this is it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And, mm-hmm. so, and so as a total meta-meta thing, that is a funny, uh, you know, we talked about their, what is it? Their future news site, which until now I haven't gone to visit or heard anything about uh, yeah, you know, the fact that they're becoming a media it. site. Yep, mm-hmm. right, right. But but it is funny that they were finally like, we are going to reclaim this pivotal piece of that, that someone wrote and put it on our site. Like we're bringing it back in house, which I thought was a a nice move that they could pull it into there. Uh, but as I was reading it, it was funny because I was going through it and thinking about like, all right, so since since this article was written, because I thought it was you know written, the the thing I was reading was new. Like, uh, what do I think about this? How would I evaluate these things? And, uh, you know, I, I think a lot of it holds up, right? Like the idea that, uh, yeah, software is important. And, and I, think, I think more importantly that, um, you know, the way that I think I put it way back at Redmuck at some point to uh, Aaron at MindTouch, uh, if I remember when him and I were going back and forth uh, talking about this, was that like, I don't know, like software is like a storefront, that you have, right? It's a way of interacting with your customers, uh, which I think is definitely the case, right? And kind of focusing on that is totally important and and makes a lot of sense. And so I think it would be fun to kind of like go through a little bit of the points in that article and think about like, where do we stand with that now? Like, would we still 
does that apply? And I think a lot of the, a lot of the answers are yes. Now, there's a few things I would argue with, kind of some of my pet peeves that annoy me in this whole software is eating the word world conversation. But how about yourself, Brandon? Do you think this article stands up? How 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 is I it? do? I mean, I you know I kind of just made a note that you know at different times I think we've talked a lot about Andreessen and Horowitz, and to the credit, like they they are provocative at times. You know, maybe some of it's kind of a clickbait kind of thing like that, you know, the cloud <laughs> repatriation, we won't relitigate that, but that seemed like, uh, that seemed a little bit more like clickbait, but this, I think, you know, I just give Mark Andreessen total credit. Like, I think he summarized the, the kind of the right, it was the right metaphor for the coming storm of like, and maybe that's the wrong metaphor, but you know, the coming wave of how software would be so disruptive across all industries. Cause I think that's the biggest thing when this was written was, you know, the world of software was sort of like, kind of like, if you will, kept to itself, right? And yes. then you see all the explosion of like, you know, whether, I mean, everything like ride sharing, streaming, videos, like everything has been touched. And I think he clearly both saw that and then articulated it very well. And then, totally. his, and then, and hit to his credit, and I guess, you know, you know, I guess Ben Horowitz as well, and the, all the partners there, you know, the fact they went out and invested in this, knowing that, like, you know, I think the financial term would be like, that the multiples that were being used just did not uh, understand that how big this was going to get, right? If you were just looking at like, oh, well, this, I'm going to measure, I'm going to, uh, you know, look at this company and just value it like a software company versus like, I'm going to look at it like it's going to disrupt all of transportation, right? And they clearly got it kind of back to like, what we were talking about NFTs, they, they clearly saw the future cl- that it would be much bigger than it would ever be. Like, you know, c- c- kind of say the same thing about the iPhone. Like people kind of like, oh, well, this is just one little telephone. It's like, no, this went on to disrupt, you know, an entire, entire, every app really, if you will, disrupts an entire industry. So really, I mean, to me, it's, it's I'm just impressed, right? I, I think they deserve it. Now, the part that maybe always is, you know, kind of the perpetual criticism of Andreessen and Horowitz is... Uh, and I think the thing that their media side is pushing back is like, they're, they're always very optimistic. Like everything will be good. Um, and I get that. I, I think you do want to kind of come to the world with an optimistic view, but they do at times like, you know, <laughs> paper over like, well, look at all the difficulties that are going to come with this now too. And I think we look back over 10 years, like, wow, a lot of difficult things have happened in technology that as far as I don't think they anticipated. I don't think anyone anticipated. It's like, wow. It's like, it's been a much bumpier road than I think we thought 10 years ago. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I mean, to use the old William Gibson thing, right? Like I, I think, I think what's happened in that time period is that the, um, you know, state backed entities find their own uses for technology, right? Like that, that's, that's the issue that you have is that uh, I don't know. Things get crazy <laughs> if if you just sort of like go willy nilly. But yeah, no, I, I I mean I agree with you. Like, and the the only quibble I have with this kind of thinking, especially having reread it, is I mean, there's two things. So maybe not the only, but one is, and I struggle with how to talk about this as well. Is the word software is not specific enough, right? Right. And yeah. and I I divide software let's say into two categories, what we used to call uh, software you buy, right? And you could call it SaaS now or COTS or whatever, but software that you buy from someone to do something, right? And then software that you write yourself. And that, that second thing, like I have not encountered 
a good term for that. So whenever I talk about like in my line of whatever, I always say custom written software or in-house software or the software that you write yourself, right? And the issue is that in this type of thinking, when they talk about software, that is what is meant, is that organizations writing their own software, their own custom software to run their business is what's important, right? Like to, in, in a whole other realm, like just, you know, being able to buy some SaaS service as your software is important, has all sorts of other benefits. But that distinction is like incredibly important because to say that software is eating the world is to say that organizations that write their own software and put a process in place to improve their software and have quote unquote developers and product management, those are the organizations that are successful. So organizations that spend a lot of money on IT that is customized to how they're operating rather than just buying off the shelf IT, clearly those type of organizations are successful, right? And I think I think this type of thinking is important, one, because it kind of like sets the strategy for what you're doing, right? So if you were to, uh, if you were to have read this piece in 2010 and just gone off and like spent a lot of money like with Salesforce, that would be nothing, right? It doesn't mean like go buy a bunch of software. It means like write your own software. Yeah, like, and use it to your advantage, right? That's the whole point. It's like- Exactly, exactly. The, the companies in every industry to, to your point, like- write the software, deliver it, whatever the mechanism, whether it be an app or a service that ultimately delivers either a new experience, a better experience, a less expensive experience. Like those are the people that are going to win. Right. And I think that, right, right, right. Um, yeah, and you're right. And I think, you know, and I think maybe the add on to that is if the software you're building doesn't do that and it doesn't add some type of like significant competitive advantage, and that is probably the software that you should just be, you know, buying, like you should subscribe to, Salesforce and not build your own CRM system or, you know, all the different things that we talk about. Um, so I, I think that makes sense, but I do, you know, having said that, I, I do think sometimes, you know, with this, it's like, and maybe, you know, if you were to try to criticize it would be um, it doesn't really get into so much like brands and how durable brands are like, mm. cause I think for yeah. so long, Netflix has been held up as like, you know, the company that disrupted uh, movies and changed movies forever. And I think, you know, you go back, like Disney Plus has now been around, I think, for like a year, like a year and a half. And they're at, you know, just over 100 million subscribers. So about as half as many as Netflix. But even when, you know, Disney, like, projected, like, they were thinking that in three years, they would do 50 million subscribers, right? And and I think you look at that and says, like, I don't think anyone thought, like, Disney went out and spent millions to build a streaming service. They acquired, I think, BAM Tech and, you know, kind of something that had been used a lot for live streaming baseball games and just kind of repurposed it. And the Disney Plus app is, you know, very good. I mean, it's good. It's good enough. But, you know, when I look at it now, I'm like, but that catalog of of movies and, um, if you will, intellectual property, whether it be Marvel or BNB or whatever, it's like, you know, it really is something that, you know, is, is really in the end more important than the actual technology. Like that catalog people will pay for that. Like if you have children or you yourself, like, you know, we all watched Star Wars growing up. It's like, it just becomes almost like mandatory that you have to have it. And it has nothing to do with technology, right? The fact that they waited a long time to put that catalog online, maybe you could say they waited too long, but it doesn't matter. They're making up ground so fast, you know, that, you know, they will be 
you know, I don't know, maybe it was, it'd be a good guess to say like, I don't know, in three years, did they have as many subscribers of Netflix? And is it potentially a stickier service? Because yeah, you know, Netflix yeah. doesn't have these like brands that tie back, you know, to everyone's childhood. And, and, that, and so I think that is kind of an interesting question. It's like, you know, like what, like, or maybe say this, like, who would you rather be right now? I guess if you're investing your, your money, like, are you going to invest in Netflix? Who's kind of put the future on building this gaming service? Or you want to invest in Disney where they're going to integrate the parks, the movies, and, you know, that whole experience together, like, that feels like pretty, that seems like a pretty significant competitive advantage going forward. Like I I would think, you know, our grandchildren, although I hate to say that it makes us sound old, but you know, like I think they're much more likely to be going to Disney parks than they are to maybe continue to watch Netflix. So yeah, I don't you, know, you, it's an interesting question there. So, so that's interesting because it's almost like you're, uh, I think you're pointing at this like idea, which is, for lack of a better phrase, it's almost like reverse disruption, which is uh, you have these disruptive forces uh, like Netflix, like these, they, they come out and they're like the, you know, classic disruption definition is uh, lower features, lower price that establishes a, a market hold to get cash flow that allows them to eventually redefine what, what people want in a market. And also, like, use all that cash flow to accumulate money to invest in a better way of doing things than the incumbents who figured out who thought they should do nothing. They shouldn't improve, right? They were totally cool. I mean, that's my loose interpretation of capital D disruption theory. Whereas, like, kind of what you laid out with Netflix and Disney Plus is that the sleeping giants, once they wake, are still giants. And they will crush you, right? And so, like, the, and and even more importantly, the sleeping giants who are highly intelligent, like, once those intelligent sleeping giants wake up, will totally kill you, right? And they'll be like, "Oh, that's a great idea. Let me go do that, right?" And I have this entire back catalog and this way of creating content, and like, whatever it is in the industry you're in, I am really good at doing that thing, and like, it, you know, once. Once I kind of like recalibrate my thinking and I start doing something new, I don't really lose a lot of those competitive advantages that I have, right? Like I can take advantage of them in the same way. I mean, entertainment's a little weird because it all back to NFT stuff. A lot of like content rests on, again, back to people with guns. It rests on like getting your friends with guns to say, you can't do that. And I'll put you in jail if you do it, <laughs> right? <laughs> right? But, so yeah, like- I mean- yeah, go ahead. You, you do you do have that sort of artificial thing versus like, I mean, the classic case of disruption theory is like big steel versus mini steel mills, and I guess you have patents there, right? So, anyways, at some point, it's sort of like let's assume that the the sleeping giant suddenly becomes hyper intelligent and replicates what you're doing. Does that work, right? And and I guess the negative example here would be. Google versus Encyclopedia Britannica, <laughs> right? Like, like there's situations like that. But I think I think the Disney Netflix thing one is interesting, right? Like, I mean, I I'm going to assume your numbers are true, right? But if Disney launched a year ago and they have half the number of subscribers that Netflix, who has been do- doing streaming for ten years, has, then that doesn't look good, right? Like that is an amazing leap forward that Disney made like market wise to get a bunch of subscribers to its content catalog. 
So yeah, I, and I think, think that's kind of an interesting question inside Netflix, right? It's it's like clearly other people have not done as well. Like, you know, we kind of make fun of like some of these other ones like Peacock and, you know, there's a bunch of others that like I don't think have that. So so yeah. in some ways it's played out that way. It says like, well, at least so far, you know, they haven't figured it out. Maybe they will. But in the case of Netflix, I think I, – I mean, I don't know if they ever go on the record and say this, but like I think the success of Disney has had to surprise them, right? The fact that that – you know, here they thought they had this huge lead, right? And it's, you know, kind of, it's, it's if, if you will, I mean, it's still big. I mean, don't get me wrong. It's still very big, but it's uh, getting smaller every single day. And and I do, I definitely think that company, you know, we're going to come back in time and like a huge crossroads. The fact that they're all in on gaming, you know, like maybe that'll prove to be the, you know, the right solution. Um, but it's sort of like an admission that they can't make, content the way Disney they they can't create a Marvel, right? They've never been able to create like yeah, similar yeah. type brands. And and I think that's something that we probably overlook. It's like, you know, Pixar is the example. It's like lots of people make animated movies, but like Pixar, like they just do it. They do it the best. Like they create, you know, all these brands that kids love and they become part of your life. Whereas, you know, Netflix, you know, you get like a you know, it's kind of like a more like a, a Nickelodeon or after like you know made for TV movie. You get a movie that's maybe kind of mildly interesting, but it's been dubbed from a different language and it's kind of like the, you know, the production quality is like a little off, but I'm sure people watch it. I mean, to the point, right. It's like people watch a lot of stuff on TV. That's not high production quality, but it's just not the same. Right. It's just like, I'm not getting that from Netflix. Right. I know I don't, when I go to Netflix, it's sort of like I'm killing time when I, you know, when I go to like a Disney movie, um, especially that the whole family wants to see, right. You know, I, my expectations are, much higher and usually they deliver right usually they give you and hbo would probably be the other one it's like hbo doesn't have nearly nearly the content well i guess hbo warner i guess it does now but but you know i really like the sunday night hbo show that's really well made that's sort of interesting it's a drama and it's like oh, just a whole niche right and that netflix you know there's a few of them that come out like you know ozark and others but it's few and far between right so really interesting to see what happens to them going forward and i do think you know kind of to kind of go back to what you're saying before is, you know, I think both of us spend a lot of time with customers around, you know, potentially embracing cloud technologies, embracing modernization. And this is the, the picture that we try to explain, right? Is that like, it isn't too late. Like you, that company has a lot of revenue today mm-hmm. and they have the ability to your point. I think you give this talk all the time. Like if they are willing and interested in building software that differentiates them, they probably have a set of customers and a brand behind them that gives them distinct advantages. So it's just, can yeah. they unlock it? Can, to your point, can you wake the sleeping giant? And so you know, some, some cases it will happen and in some cases it won't. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah, I mean, I mean, and, and, and this is, uh, I mean, I mean, you, I think you summarized well my, uh, my nuance that I always like to add to this software is eating the world point is, uh, and you know, the thing that always like makes me grip my teeth when I read this kind of stuff is like, you know, let's put aside AWS because that is a tech company inside of Amazon. But like Amazon is a retailer, like to call them a software company, like is too tricky. Like, like, like anytime someone talks about being a tech company or they're a software company, whether it's Pixar, I mean, they, they run on software or someone like an Amazon, you should think like, okay, so with Amazon, if I removed the fact that they sell stuff to people, would they still be a company, right? Like that is the core of what they are is they sell stuff. So like they are a retail company that uses software very effectively. So they're not a software company 
right? Again, it's like, it's kind of like an annoying distinction, but I think to, to, to what you're saying, it's important to think about is like, just because we install Kubernetes or just because we're doing agile development, like we still need to think about how is it that we get people to give us money, right? They're not going to give us money because we have a highly scalable system built on containers and stateless architectures, right? Like we still need to like transact and do some business. And like, if you lose focus of that, like I'm pretty sure Amazon doesn't go around saying they're a software company. They're probably like, no, we fucking sell shit, right? Like (laughs) that is how we make money. And I'm sure Pixar is not like, we're a software company. They're probably like, yeah, we come up with really good ideas for stories and characters and how to do them and what they look like. We're like a creative artistic company. Like, those nerds over there with their computers are great. We used to have gigantic light tables and really thin paper that allowed us <laughs> to do that. Right. And now we do it with computers. It's fine. Right. So like, I think as long as you don't sort of like get over your skis that you're a software company, that it's cool, right? Like it's just a tool that you're using for something. This episode is brought to you by CBT Nuggets. Are you looking to build your IT skills? Do you want to learn more about IT security, cloud computing, or networking? Then it's time to visit CBT Nuggets. They offer over 350 courses and over 2,000 virtual labs. They have courses available on everything, including AWS, Linux, VMware, and even Salesforce. Best of all, it's available online so you can learn what you want, when you want. CBT Nuggets adds over 40 hours of new training each week, so there's always something new to learn. They also offer accountability coaching, allowing you to speak with a real person who can help you create a personalized learning plan, set goals, and check in to make sure you stay on track. To get started, visit cbtnuggets.com sdt. That's cbtnuggets.com sdt. There you can sign up for the seven-day free trial, which gets you full access to all their courses. You know, I look through there, and I'm always wanting to learn Python more. And there's a lot of courses there where you can kind of ramp up into it and uh, even do some advanced networking things with Python. Other topics like that, I may go check that out when I'm done recording this. Anyhow, you can start learning today by going to cbtnuggets.com sdt. And of course, we thank them for sponsoring our show. Do we have any uh, bureaucracy this episode, Brandon? Yes, we do. Uh, I sent some stickers to Jeff in uh, Irvine, California. So it was great to hear from him. And if you would like a sticker, all you have to do is send your postal address to stickers at softwaredefinedtalk.com. And I will be happy to send you a sticker anywhere in the world. Well, you know, speaking of stickers, this reminds me, I was, uh, you know, my kids went back to school this week. And uh, I don't know if you or listeners remember, but I had a very, by very, I mean, not really, but a complicated system of multiple bikes going uh, with my kids to pick them up and drop them off, depending on all sorts of things. Um, And the year before last, I left my secondary bike chained up in front of my kid's school. uh, And I never got around to retrieving my second bike. Uh, And this, this bike has since, it's still chained up, right? But the front, wheel, yeah, the, fr- the front wheel oh, wow. has been stolen. The, uh, the bicycle seat someone has taken. No one's taken the pedals. And I keep thinking, like, now that I moved here, I should drive the car over there, which we also have, and just put the bike in there. But actually, uh, we don't have a yard, so I don't really have a place to put the bike. So I think I might leave the bike there. But I did notice today 
that I had put a software defined talk sticker on the fender of the bike. And oh, so okay. I'm, I'm kind of wondering, like, should I remove that sticker so no one can track down who the owner of this bike is? Because up in Amsterdam, what they'll do is like, uh, and you would have to watch out for this because you wouldn't want your bike uh, taken, is maybe, it's probably once a year. Once a year, these two people come through and they tag bikes and the label oh, they put on the, yeah. like it's the label long. they put yeah. on is like, it's been here too long. And then mm-hmm. they will come with their like little handheld circular saw, cut your bike's chain off and take it. Right. Okay. And, and like, no one's done that to this bike yet. And I think it is, I think it's actually in the city of Amsterdam. If I remember the, the city lines correctly. And so I don't know, I'm a little concerned. Maybe like they will actually do the work to track down that Michael Cote abandoned this bike here. So I might need. I don't to, know. I feel uh, like that means the brand, that. the software defined talk brand, is strong. So I'm gonna I'll take it to the wind. You know, I'll, do, yeah. I'll update our marketing uh, information. But I, I don't, why don't you just go get it? It sounds like you have a card now. Just go grab it. But, right? No, but what I'm saying is I have nowhere to put it. I don't oh, have a yard. Yeah. Right. I don't know. So, like, yeah. Well, I think you're in a good spot. Just you know, is it locked? Maybe just unlock it and let someone steal it. Oh, right? now that, that you can tell lock, you've been working you on security. Yeah, that, that's a good idea. Yeah, the lock is good. Like, yeah, there, there you go. Like, uh, when your company is uh, shutting down, you know, retrieve all your 2FA stuff because that's, that's pretty good. <laughs> well, I think, I mean, we talked about it last episode. Now, you did say your bike's in the uh, city limits of Amsterdam. So, through your education, it sounds like maybe unlock it and then just put uh, the free sign, the Dutch free sign on it. Yeah. That's yeah. appropriate. Be like, just there you go. Someone just take it. I think you're right. This might actually even be an expensive thing to the software defined talk companies. If I unlock it, this is actually a marketing campaign because people will take it and spread that sticker around. I'll talk to accounting. I think we can make it happen. You know, I think we can amortize this thing over a certain amount of years. There you go. Well, speaking about a certain amount of years, as always, this time of year, we have Spring One Platform coming up. Well, we used to call it Spring One Platform. Now it's Spring One. And that's actually next week, uh, September 1st and 2nd. I've got a great panel on, I think it's the first... Uh, that you should definitely attend. All sorts of other good stuff. It's got like, if you do uh, Java development, Kubernetes stuff, platform as a service, all sorts of good things. You can register for free if you go to springone.io. And uh, why wouldn't you if you listen to this and uh, just go attend? You can tell your boss, I'm sorry, I can't work today because I'm attending one of the world's best technology conferences that (laughs) costs you nothing uh, for me to register and attend. So you should sign up for that. Also, there is... uh, DevOps world that CloudBees is putting on September 28th to 30th. And then another conference that I like because I help put it together. DevOps Loop is coming up October 4th, uh, 2021. It's going to be great. I mean, I'm going to be speaking at it, but there are some other much better speakers uh, who will be going over there. And the whole premise is like, what's up with DevOps nowadays, right? Like if you actually want to do it, what's it like? Uh, How's it progressing so it's, I think it's a good check on with that. And then back there in Texas, January 17th and 20th, we'll th- see how things are going. It would be nice to be in person to do the, uh, I think, th- do they have a schedule for this yet, Brandon, where we're going to do the live software defined? I think so. I, we've been uh, in touch with uh, one of the organizers, Brett. So uh, he's actually, he was here. He actually made it down to Austin and you, along with several others in the software defined talk Slack, gave him many local suggestions of places to eat things to do so uh yeah so i think you're right so we're gonna make it happen obviously planning in the future is difficult but if we can do it something in person yeah we'll do it we'll be there so you so you should go to that conference down there in uh, round rock in texas more or less austin uh january 17th to 20th 
which of course is in 2022 because that is uh, next year by the calendar. Uh, and as always, if you want to see uh, like links to this stuff, things we haven't talked about, you should join uh, our Slack where we log these things. And you can go to softwaredefinedtalk.com slash 317 to see links to those conferences, other things like that. How to join the Slack channel to join in the conversation. And with that, Brandon, what do you have to recommend this episode? All right. So this week, I want to recommend something from Costco. No surprise there. Um, what I'm recommending here is the uh, lightly breaded chicken breast chunks that are made by Just Bear. So these are essentially the exact chicken nugget from Chick-fil-A. Like almost, I think you could do a blind taste test. And um, I was, uh, we kind of inherited an air fryer. And I, I really never tried one, never really thought much about it. But I was given one from um, our mother-in-law, just didn't need it. But I'll just say this. This is, if you have children between the ages of like, I can't remember exactly when they start eating nuggets. I'm going to say like two or maybe three. Three through seven, say. And you know, you your children and all children, I think in this age, love chicken nuggets. You can make these things eight minutes in an air fryer. And that's just with really basically four. Take it out, shake it right back in four more minutes. Absolutely. The most delicious Chick-fil-A chicken nugget you'll ever have. And it's, I mean, Mm. just a miracle. The fact that my son's a little older, we still eat them. I still like them. He likes them. But I just think there was a time where it was like, I don't know, just my son ate a lot of chicken nuggets. And I just feel like all kids do it. So if you have an air fryer and you're near Costco, highly recommend. You got to get this right brand out. It's just Bear. That's B-A-R-E. Uh, get the lightly breaded chicken nuggets. It's a really great deal. You get a whole big package of them and you just throw them in there, make them in eight minutes, make yourself happy, make your family happy and uh, eat all the, the chicken nuggets that you want. So check it out. So so you would endorse an air fryer is what you're saying. Yeah. So, you know, what's interesting about this is I had read about uh, a little bit about them before and the general consensus of all the reading I did was this is just another kitchen appliance you really don't need. You should just use your oven. Right. And I, mm, and I just sort of no, taken it at that. No, and I don't no, do no. a lot of cooking or I, had, I hadn't done much up until then. Um, but more recently with, you know, being home more, I've tried to pick up some of the cooking duties and just make stuff myself because I have a little bit extra time. And so the fact that I was given one, I think both the criticism of it is the strength. People say it's like, yeah, it's just like the oven, but everything is so much faster in it. And the fact that it's a yeah, little bit more yeah. self-sufficient that you just set it, not that you can't turn it off an oven, but basically you just set it more like a microwave. Like you put it in eight minutes, it just stops. So if you're upstairs, you're walking around, yeah, you, know, you don't have yeah. to like be mindful of it. And two, it's all the stuff. Like it's reheating almost any type of meat is a lot better in an air fryer. These nuggets huh. are great. If you make French fries, like uh, if you if that's a thing that you- I That must be those, phenomenal, right? But they are. I mean, they're just phenomenal. So it's a lot, it's a lot faster and it's a lot quicker. But I would concede, right? If everyone says like, I have an oven, I have, um, what is it, convection, right? Like- like we have that too. And it's like, you can do all of that in the oven. What I found is we never did any of it in that. Exactly. Oven. exactly. And the fact that the air fryer does it faster and it's easier, that is the value. But if you really were someone that cooked like hours a day or like really spent a lot of time, you probably don't need it. If you're like, you yeah, know, you have children yeah. and you need chicken nuggets in eight minutes, this air fryer solution the miracle, absolutely yeah. miracle to me. Yeah, I, I've been. Th- I, I should get one then because I think that would be good. Because, because you know, I mean, to your point, you can make toast in an oven, but that's fucking stupid. You should get a toaster, right? Like, yeah. it's just like 
Anyways, well, my recommendation, uh, you know, air fryers are big over here in the Netherlands. That's why I know about them because it's just like you can buy an air fryer anywhere because like the the Dutch, the the Netherlanders, they love anything fried, right? Like they are oh, okay. bonkers for I mean, it, right? Like one more reason to love uh, the Netherlands, right there. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I mean, it's a core. It's a core, and they're not wrong. Fried stuff is delicious, right? So, however. I don't, I'm not here to recommend uh, Dutch food, even though there are many great Dutch foods, despite what I've said over the years. Lots of good stuff. But there is one uh, Netherlands thing I want to recommend, and that is the Nopes, if I'm pronouncing it correctly, thrift stores. So this is a chain of thrift stores that is like, if you could imagine a Goodwill or a Salvation Army that is three stories tall and that there are tons of them. That's what the no pay thrift stores are. The, like, and as you can imagine, we've moved into a new house. We got to fill it. We have nothing furniture or dish wise. So we go to the, the no pays a lot and they never disappoint. They are always chock full of great things. Uh, the clothes section, I don't really have time for that because I don't know what they're doing with the clothes section, but it's very confusing. I think they mix the genders together and I don't get it. Like, the best thrift store clothes system is always the Salvation Army. Let me tell you why. One, it's just like men, women, shirts, pants, shorts, other, right? These are the categories and jackets. Mm -hmm. And then they also, they also have standardized pricing. All t-shirts, one price. All button-up shirts, one price. All pants, one price. Goodwill is just the whim of whoever's doing the pricing. So Goodwill is very confusing. Like prices all over the map. Salvation Army, best clothes system for a thrift store ever. I don't know what's up with the no pays people. I just want to buy some shorts. I get really confused. I don't know what's going on. So let's cast that out until someone explains it to me. But the entire rest of the store, fantastic. So you should go to the no pays thrift, thrift stores. I don't know why you would buy most anything new. You get good solid wood stuff there. It's all good stuff. Uh, well, with that, as always, this has been Software Defined Talk. If you want to get the show notes for this episode... You can go to softwaredefinedtalk.com slash 317. As always, uh, we also uh, stream this. And if you want to find out how to see where we stream it, YouTube or Twitch or some other places. Uh, also, you can go to softwaredefinedtalk.com and uh, find it there. You can go to twitch.com or what is it? Twitch.tv slash SDT podcast. And uh, you should subscribe there. You can watch it. And you get to see all sorts of stuff that Brandon thankfully edits out uh, when we broadcast live. So with that, we'll see everyone next time. Bye-bye. Did you start listening to the uh, the Dithering podcast? Oh, I know. I need to do that. You told me to there, do that. No, there, there's, a, uh, there's a good ongoing joke about how uh, John Gruber, like, and, and they both agree that Celsius is a bullshit like way of yeah i've heard him's rant i listened to another podcast where he says he will fight to the death that fahrenheit is better yeah and and i i I think they make a solid case because fahrenheit has i mean pun intended more degrees between everything right so it's a lot more meaningful to hear a fahrenheit temperature than a celsius right because celsius is just like the difference between like 38 and 40 is like vast on a fahrenheit scale right? I I don't really know what I'm talking about, but like Celsius has less numbers. Fahrenheit has more. So there's more precision in Fahrenheit. We can see uh, though, like I think for science, like, you know, you can see why Celsius makes sense, right? Where you're doing like, you know, with like 
I don't know, just scientific type um, stuff. But like, I definitely think for the weather, I, you know, yeah, the gradations, the more, yeah, just the longer yeah, scale yeah. is a huge help, right? Because it's like, because people uh, yeah. are like, I, it is weird. I have the hardest time being, like, oh, 33 Celsius is like insane, but 26 is like, all right. You know, it's like, I don't know. I mean, but that's a, that's obviously completely American bias. So I just don't I, have I, a hard I, time translating. Yeah. I, I, I think you're right that that Celsius is good for science because you're talking about the universe, whereas Fahrenheit is like oriented around people, as as Paul here is saying, right? Like, like, you know, who the fuck cares when water freezes? Like, that's irrelevant. He's not saying this, but and and then also like, who cares that 100 is boiling water? What I want to know is when I should wear pants. Yeah. Right. Like, so yeah, I no, want, agreed. I, I yeah. want a system that is based around me, not when water becomes solid. And that's when true. It becomes, the fact that you're uh, like, gas. you need to know the boiling. The, yeah. You rarely really need to know the exact temperature of boiling water, you know, at least in Fahrenheit. Like I found, I don't I guess what was it? 212. Like I, I don't feel like, I don't even know that's right. So maybe I don't feel like that, that doesn't bother me, but I definitely like 65, 75 is huge. So I don't know. I think right, maybe right, they just right, need right. to sketch out, like, I don't know if it would be like micro micro i don't know, like what is he they just went maybe went one tick down in celsius and was like give us like a little bit bigger scale but you know i'm sure i'm sure I, they would I, appreciate I think, the feedback the uh i want to i, I want to like if, if if i want to suggest maybe this is our last thing i want to suggest a new scale i don't know we can call it cote height but uh-huh. all i want to all i want to know is it's too cold to leave the house <laughs> i should wear a jacket right, right. The next level up is I can wear shorts. I can still be wearing a jacket, but I can wear shorts, right? The level after that is I don't need a jacket. And then and then after that is like, I'm going to run the AC, right? I need, I need AC. Uh, and then the final level is I'm not leaving the house. Like that, that's all I need to know, right? And then, I mean, rain's a whole other thing, but like, you know, I don't really need to know like when water boils, like, you know, and I'm stealing this, but this is a point that they make in the dithering podcast is like, you know, when I know water is boiling, when it's boiling, <laughs> like that, I don't, I don't care what temperature is. It is. I can tell it's boiling. I don't, I don't, I don't I like know, it. So, no, I'm with yeah. you, man. I'm totally, yeah, no, I think you actually, you know, you actually outlined like if we were building the requirements for a new temperature system, I think that would be it, right? Like what are the, like you would want those to be round numbers, right? You would want those to be like yeah, base 10 yeah. or base five. You'd be like, oh, just we said base five jacket, base five, you know, air conditioner, base five, like do not go outside. Like um, that would be, that would be. See, uh, see, look, look. And then Paul is saying. fives, I guess. Here what. we go. To our point, Paul is saying Fahrenheit is perfect for barbecue, right? And the thing with barbecue is you have to know with precision exactly when a temperature is reached in the gigantic piece of meat that you're cooking. Yeah, right? no, I would see, I think. And, and so, so yeah. Celsius would be like, this could be great. This piece of meat could taste great, <laughs> or it could be fucking terrible. At the, at like, we have no idea. Whereas you need the precision of Fahrenheit to know, like, should the shorts cover my knees or can the shorts stop before the knees? Right. Like you need I a lot of, a lot it. of play I'll there. find that, uh, Mike, Mike, Michael O'Neill, a friend from Down Under, he posted a nice, uh, uh, I don't know, he had this whole thing, a nice article on Fahrenheit. And I was like, oh, I need to remember this. I'll find it somewhere. And uh, it was it was very funny. It was good. Uh, oh, here it is, right? Oh, it's just, oh, I don't know if you can find it now. But uh, uh, all right, I'll put that in the show notes. So, you know, no one will understand it because this, this part won't be in it. <laughs> but I'm going to throw, I'll just, I'll just, in the after show, our Fahrenheit discussion will, will show what it is. <laughs> 
Uh, all right, Kote, I got to run. I got to go uh, all right. get some children. All right, have bye a good bye. one. Thanks yeah, all streamers. Bye-bye.